Welcome to episode, who knows, of Asbury Pod with your hosts, Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. Today's special guest, Patricia Patton, one of the nation's leading experts on boomer reinvention, travel, and the legalization and normalization of cannabis. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Asbury Pod. It's February 1st, and we are doing Patricia Take Two, because again, somebody hit a button yeah. on the first podcast. We're not going to rehash that disaster. Ed, unpaid intern Ed is saying it was him, although I think it was actually Joe. Oh, it was 100% me. Okay. It was 100% um, but be- before we get to Patricia, how was your week, Joe? Very busy. I'm glad to be here. I'm but glad was, to be uh, here, too. You know, a lot of work. Didn't get home before seven any day this week. Oh, well, Heather celebrated 50, her 50th. That was excellent last that week. That was fabulous. And mm-hmm. we need to do dinner with you because her, with she Patricia. didn't want to book, with Patricia, I'm sorry. Right. And all of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, every all single of one of all, them. All, all four of you, I'll book us a, a table at uh, Jimmy's. Um, she didn't want anything. Well, you know, well, but. Patricia knows Heather. She wouldn't want. She didn't want a party. I was thinking of maybe renting the side room at Porta, and she. I think she felt like going around for three minutes, saying hi to people would not be it. So then I did like ten dinners, give or take, with friends from the Santander, friends from the shelter. We used to volunteer at a shelter. Friends from the um, the moms, all the moms that we're friends with, which um, one made me gain a ton of weight because I ate and drank for ten days straight. But two was super super nice and probably way better than a party, but a lot to plan. Oh, yeah. Really so nice. yeah, you so were I away, totally or you would have been it, on the list. Right? Yes. So yeah. we'll you'll do the week later one. Very nice. Mm-hmm. She had. I was like, she, she tried to have a party. She tried to have a birthday without letting me know. She tried to make me think that her birthday was in another month. Huh. She does not like birthdays, and she doesn't like large groups of people, which is why. And you know, when you have dinner with people, if you have more than four or five people at the table, it gets lost. So we tried to keep it at like four, give or take. Anyway, uh, we're Patricia Take Two. You have anything else? Today's no. the the um, Little League pe- Pancake Breakfast at Thoroughgood Marshall, which is Danny McGee. He does a great job. So just giving a shout out that he tirelessly promotes um, Little League. I would love to coach for the Little League. My dad was I think a, they're totally looking for coaches if you're serious. I, uh, yeah, but I don't have the time. Like, you okay. know, I, I can't. I will sign you up right now. No, I would Jen love Souter to. is there right now. I will text her and say Joe Walsh will be the coach. No, I'd love to coach. I mean, my father was a coach. My my grandfather built the Little League in West Pittston, West Pittston Pennsylvania. Um, I, well, allegedly. 
Um, I wasn't there at the time, but, and um, I played my whole life and I feel that people, well, let's talk about that another day. Yeah. Patricia Patton is here. And <laughs> this is fine. I'm yep. still if, waking up. If yeah. anybody wants to coach for the little league, they are desperate for coaches. So I am going to the cheap thrills motorcycle show at the convention right after this. At, at, at the, the hall. Oh, I, I read about that. I'm not going to go, but I did read about it. I was going to guess you weren't going to go. Yeah, that. No, I'm not going to go. So. Cheap thrills. Cheap thrills motorcycles. So it's, it's a motorcycle swap meet. Bring your, oh, okay. your beat up bike. Someone might buy it, sell your handlebars, or they'll also be customized nice things. And so um, it's funny. Just walk around, look at other people's motorcycles that you can't afford, and then you go home. Interesting. And you know what I'm doing this afternoon. What's that? And don't judge me. I'm going to a friend of mine's apartment in the Esbury Ocean Club to watch the sunset because she says it's amazing. Oh, you have a friend? I have a friend, a, les- a lesbian couple. Just one. Just one. Just one friend. And oh. she happens to live in the Esbury Ocean Club. I mean, that blows me away. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's that's what I'm going to do from about no, three no to five. No plus twos. Heather's going to go. I said two. Two. Heather would be plus Amy one. Heather would be plus one. No plus twos. <laughs> right. So, actually, time. you know, there is a plus two. It's Jeffrey. Jeffrey's oh. the plus two. Sorry, Patricia. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, uh, so, yeah, I'll let you know because I have Story not... of my life in Asbury so, yeah, yeah, maybe you can tell us next week what a million dollar sunset looks I, like. I actually think she's like 2.5. What a 2.5 million dollar sunset looks yeah, like. Yeah, she's a corner unit. Is there security? Will they stop you at the There's door? There's security. She has to come down and get us. And um, she w- did not tell us that she bought in there for months because she was embarrassed to tell anyone she bought in there. So did she live here before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, she lived on Sunset. I'm not going to say her name. W- no, no. She lived on Sunset? She lived on Sunset. She's upgraded her Sunset? Yeah. She's definitely No, but upgraded. I mean, the thing is, you know, as someone who lives in town, you wonder who are these people who can afford to live there. I mean, I'm not knocking her, good for her, and I wish she was my friend because then I could go watch the sunset. Could you sell tickets? So I actually have another gay guy set, set of friends um, who who I, I believe post about it all the time, so I think I can say their name, um, uh, China and Connor, who also lived on 5th and bought a place in 1101 as well. I have not been to their place yet, but I know two people who had currently lived in town who bought in there. Nice. Yeah. A total of three people. So him and his partner and then and then this woman that I'm going to see today. I think the closest I'll get is um, a corner unit in the Asbury Senior Center. Well, that's a good view, Patricia. That's a good view, too. Yeah. So the um, the closest I'm going to get. Million dollar views at the Asbury Tower. I will say that. They do. The closest I'm going to get is a parking ticket outside 1101. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. We're here with Patricia Patton. We're here to talk about all things cannabis. My name's Amy Quinn. I'm Joe Walsh. This is Asbury Pod. And Ed, are you going to wave and let our listeners... Unpaid intern, Ed. ...is waving to everybody saying hello? Um, We are going to get right into this because we're doing two podcasts today. Uh, We're taping two podcasts today. And who's our guest? Patricia A. Patton. Patricia Patton. What does the A stand for? Anne. Patricia Anne. In fact... Depending upon when you met me, like everybody calls me Anne in huh. Seattle or in my family, nieces, nephews, etc. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I never call you Anne. No, you wouldn't. No, <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk about all things cannabis, but before we get on all things cannabis, so why are we talking about all things cannabis? 
Why are we talking about all things? Because Patricia Patton's the guru of all things cannabis. No, that's extra. I'm really not. I'm really much more representative of a demographic shift and a segment of that, you know, can of curious boomers, you know, boomer consumers. And with legalization on the horizon in New Jersey, in particular in September, um, I'm just educating myself more. So I cannot call you the cannabis guru. I think people would take umbrage at that, you know. Yeah, there are a lot of other people in town who consider themselves experts. I don't consider myself an expert. I consider myself, um, you know, I don't know what the proper word for it. But I'm educating myself and I'm sharing that education with others. I'm a lifelong learner. So, I think you're just an advocate. I mean, kind of maybe an ordinary, you know, more ordinary version. You know, like instead of a guru, just a citizen interested in, in, right? Yeah, but Um, she gives talks and writes articles. All right, guru, guru. Yeah. yeah. All right, so okay. just claim it. Just claim it. All right. Yeah. It makes I'm not me work stop harder. Using it, so let's just go with it. <laughs> it makes me work harder, huh? Um. So before we get into all things cannabis, you know, our normal uh, game is talking about what brought you to Asbury Park, Patricia. Um. I came to Asbury Park because I always wanted to live near the ocean. Always wanted to live near the ocean, and uh, Asbury was what my money could buy. I've been here 15 years. And I used to actually come down to Ocean Grove and go to the beach. And one Sunday, I came down before noon and couldn't go on the beach and was sitting and I looked down and I saw the burnt out eyesore and realized, oh, there's another town and that the um, ocean had to be as beautiful as where I was. So that's how I kind of got started. I thought, let me go over here and see what's going on, you know. That's how I got here. And that was 15 years ago. <clears throat> That's right. And nothing was essentially on the boardwalk. In oh, no, no, no. There was nothing on the boardwalk. Howard Johnson's. Howard Johnson. Yeah, that's right. The convention center was the there. Cats. What else was there? Oh, the boardwalk cats were all there. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Debbie DeLisa has saved, I would say, just about every single boardwalk cat. She has a rescue called something like the Asbury Park Boardwalk Cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, she runs the Wonder Bar. She used to own the Wonder Bar. She had all, I'm going to say, well, so I, I think she was only supposed to have like 10 cats, but she had about 50 or 60 cats on the second floor of the, um, say, 4th Ave Pavilion. Yep. You used to see them in uh, the yeah. window. Yeah. Well, you could, you could smell them. Mm-hmm. Like once you got close, you yeah. could smell them. So she had them there for years and then has a house in Titton Falls that has like a huge outdoor it's enclosed, but area that she keeps all the cats. Now she still has the boardwalk cats. No joke. Oh my god! Really? Yeah. That's a lot of them, and some of them are really hardcore cats. Like there used to be, there was like one hold. You know, she had gotten all of them except for one. He had like one eye. You know, mean looking cat. That you know, I think even she got. She must have gotten him. Or she, she, you know. as far as I know, she took all of them. And just so you know, like the second floor of that pavilion for years, like had no running water. There was yeah. no electricity. So they would bring up. They had to obviously do all fresh water, clean, clean all the, um, clean all of the um, litter boxes. And she was go caring up and down the for steps. them in there. In there for years, caring for them. Her yeah. and a, a number of volunteers were doing mm-hmm. it. And then um, Madison Marquette eventually kicked them out for. Um, to make it into some sort of space that it's still not, as far as I know. This is really, you know, that story, I think, is typical Asbury Park. I mean, the town is full of people, I will say, like that, who would think to take that on as a mission. Yeah, I got to take all these cats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she does fundraisers for them. 
the whole thing. She's um, very good people. I digress. Uh, okay, so you're sitting in Ocean Grove. They're doing. Why do they do the thing where they don't let you on the beach before? Church. Is that religious? Okay. Yeah, it's a Methodist church. The, I think the camp meeting association owns the town. It's not an incorporated town. It's so that you're supposed to be at church, not sitting and waiting to get on the beach. Is and that's that supposed the reason? to be, but they don't interrupt. In other words, they're not going to compete with the mission of the church. So in the morning, while the the big cathedral has yeah, services, on morning services, the on, beach is closed. Yeah. So you can't go on until noon. Um, although now there's a morning service on the boardwalk, mm-hmm. but at that point in time, you know. I mean, I didn't know because I didn't know anyone in Ocean Grove or Asbury, but um, you just had to sit and wait until noon. And that's just looking around. That's how I saw the famous eyesore that is now the Ocean Club. Right, 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 right. Yes. Um, It was the Esperanza for a little bit. Exactly. But that was what? And it was eight two thousand eight. It was C eight. Remember, we used to. I have a shirt that says C eight. When it, they were imploding it, they called it C eight. Hmm. And then the Esperanza that was right. never built, and then the Ocean Club. So here, I'm going to tell you a very, very quick story about being involved in politics. In a little part of it that sucks, although I genuinely love being involved in Asbury Park politics. Ninety percent of the time, I love it. But everybody used that eyesore as Asbury's never coming back. Asbury's never coming back. Asbury's never coming back. Or false starts, right? Asbury started to come back and then it failed again. And then Asbury started to come back and then it failed again. So we made it a priority to get that site built. And then when we got that site built, people still beat us up. They they, they beat us up, right? They beat us up at that eyesore of a site for years. And then we're like, you know what? We're going to tell iStar that has to be a priority for them or else, you know, there's going to be consequences to that. And then we get it built and people are like, still, F you motherfuckers. Because... It's too high end. They didn't like the design. I mean, insert any oh, okay. random reason um, why. Million, so, million dollar sunsets. Everybody, yeah. Everybody hates them. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, in this game, sometimes you can't win. But that that is an example of us getting beat up, getting beat up, taking care of it, and then continuing to get beat up. I want to be clear that I'm going to, you know, criticize that building until I have enough money to move in myself. Okay. So prior, and <laughs> then you'll I, invite me no, and gonna, Patricia over to see the I'm going to switch teams immediately. No. Um, okay. You bought in Asbury Park after that, shortly thereafter? Mm, I bought in Asbury Park sometime after, maybe three, I don't know. I can't remember exactly, but certainly maybe three years so after, because I was living in a pretty nice place at the time. Um, I had lived, I had moved out of New York City, where I'd lived for more than 20 years, to Montclair, New Jersey. I lived in Montclair seven years. From there, I moved to North Newark. I had a fabulous place in North Newark. When I sold that place, I used the funds to invest in Asbury Park. And where did you raise your son? Primarily um, Montclair. Montclair. You know, he was born in New York. Okay. But uh, after um, second grade, we had to get out of the city. Okay. And what were you doing in the What was your career in the city? I think last time... We talked about a couple of things you had done, which were very interesting. So, what were you, you know, uh, what were you doing in the city? Uh, I think at one point you had been a. Uh, Joe wants you to talk about being. I know. I just want to talk about Pan Am. Yeah. <laughs> but probably that, but that was short lived, and then you went back to school, and and then what? Yeah. Um, so the first time I came to New York was 1970, January of 1970, mm. and I was a 
in that first crew of Pan American stewardesses after the 1964 Civil Rights Act and corporations were forced to hire minorities. So I was one that was able to pass the strict requirements of being able to speak another language, you know, um, college background, uh, no sickle cell <laughs> anemia because, you know, people of color got checked for that. Uh -huh. I had never heard of it before. But anyway, I was based in uh, New York City. So I was living in New York then, 70, 71. I left and I came back to New York in 1980. So I've been on the East Coast since 1980, straight. And from 86 until 2004, I think it is, I can't count at the moment, but I work for the uh, Belgian tourist office. That's right. Right. So, and I think I asked this last time, do you speak Flemish? No, I don't speak Flemish, but my boss was Flemish, so I had a passive understanding of Flemish. My languages were... Is that the language people in Belgium speak? Yeah. They're it's many. called Flemish. Yeah. Oh, interesting. It's a Dutch kind of... A it's like Dutch, Dutch, French... German. Mix. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the Flemings are in the northern part of Belgium, and the Walloons are in the... French-speaking are in the southern part. Then there's a small area close to the German area where they speak German, and that's the German part of. Now, remember, Belgium is about the size of the state of Maryland, but that's how many tribes there are. And then there's Brussels, which is where the European Union is, and English is the primary language there. I know nothing about Belgium, clearly. You uh, don't take airplanes. I don't take airplanes. This is correct. I want Walloons. To Although be either does Joe, and he team. clearly knows more about Belgium. <laughs> I have a story about me not flying that will make you mad after this. I'll tell you later. No. It, it, well, anyway, I canceled. I have to go to Atlanta for work. I canceled my flight, and I'm driving. Well, I thought that was the best move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who? Yeah, we both have the same wacky fear of flying. I need some clearly some more cannabis to help me. Through <laughs> yeah. Let's, hold, need, let's you, go back to this. You need a, a strip or. <laughs> <laughs> Or a restraining <laughs> belt of it. No. Um, so you've been in Asbury about 15 years? Yeah. 15 years? 15 years. And also, so right before we get um, on the um, cannabis, marijuana, CBD, can we just talk about that you were one of the first people to open a business on the boardwalk prior to anybody opening a business on the boardwalk? Oh, yeah. That's a place I lost a lot of money. I know. But <laughs> it was still a cool, it was a cool spot. Um, it was a great um it was really the expression of a long-held dream for me from the standpoint that it was still in the area of tourism. It was, um, it was, I thought, an opportunity to integrate a lot of the things that I knew and had done. And great location. And then we had the opportunity to have um, containers. So that sort of took away the angst of a huge operation but it was still uh, the kind of business that um took from five o'clock in the morning until you know one o'clock the next morning to manage because madison marquette was really strict with everybody like they were trying to do their thing and the reality is that we were too early in the game there wasn't the tourism wasn't here the clients weren't here and then i chose 
something that was difficult, and that was I wanted a healthy and organic um, operation. Was it a, a, a nutritional supplement store? I, I don't, no, I just, no, I don't no. remember the story. No, basically, I was trying to offer um, healthy choices like smoothies, uh, wheatgrass shots, you oh, know, I salmon remember, burgers. Very, oh, no, I remember very the place. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no. You know, gazpacho, you know, so people who were on the beach who maybe had diabetes and couldn't necessarily have this or that would have some other choices. Or it was just really, I should have been on the West Coast somewhere is because it just didn't work. Or now, or you should have done it now. Mm, yeah, now would be better. Yeah. That's for sure. But who could, it wasn't as if they were giving us a cut. They were charging real rents, and they really wanted us to be open until 11 or 12 at night. They wanted us to be open seven days a week. At that point in time, they were trying to get us to stay open all year round because that was consistent with their company's plan. But it made no sense for people who had a container operation with no heat and, you know, lightning and that sort of thing. Right. But it was, I mean, notwithstanding all that, it was a great experience for me because I bet on myself, mm. you know, didn't work, but I bet on myself and it set me off on the path that I'm on now. So how did that transition come about? So when did your interest um, in cannabis move from maybe a private interest to a sort of public advocate? When you said, I'm going to step out and talk about this in public and advocate for it. Um, it was a process actually, to be perfectly honest, and it still is a process. Um, about two and a half years ago, I went to Colorado to the Women's Grow uh, Conference. And that's where I met like the core group of uh, advocates around the country who have businesses going on. And, um, and I could see the holes in who they were talking to and what they were talking about. And I was beginning to see that what was happening in states where there was uh, legalization was quite different from states where there was just medical or nothing. You know? um, and that's when I decided, well, you know, there's a hole in the market. People need to be talking about it. Nobody's really talking to me. This is another situation where um, older people in particular – uh, what I'm calling the canicurious and the boomer consumers are just really being overlooked, you know, and I have to work, you know, so let me see what sort of, of um, positive and entrepreneurial, you know, how can I bring my skills to bear on this shift in culture? Because that's really what's going on. Yeah. And, and the, Boomers or seniors, I guess, are one of the highest, um, and I'm going to use the wrong words on this, but consumers. They're they're in the demographics. They're pretty. They're one of the. I feel like well, you know that what, statistic what, better than me. No, no. What's really happening is the whole cannabis movement. You know, you know, shifting from calling it marijuana to calling it cannabis is being driven by the medical aspects as opposed to the recreational aspects of cannabis and boomers are kind of driving that conversation even though they're not the highest percentage of users 
consumers, rather, in terms of the different uh, products that can be purchased, we are a huge demographic, and the things that we're interested in are different from the things that, say, millennials are interested in. So that's where the growth can be seen um, in terms of moving the health and wellness conversation about the benefits of marijuana cannabis. That's why it's in the public eye. And the Hemp Act passed last year in 2019. So CBD, hemp-based CBD, is now legal. So, I never fully understood the difference between marijuana and hemp in terms of a, the actual plant. You know, hemp is so differentiated from marijuana, but it still is, diff- is, is differentiated from marijuana, marijuana plant, but got scooped up in the, the, the legal um, prohibitions about marijuana at the same time. So sometimes it's hard for me as a layperson to understand like I have a conceptual knowledge. Okay, hemp make rope out of it. Paper doesn't. I have, don't have a clue the difference between hemp. It doesn't and have a, the same THC content as right. the marijuana plant, but it's regulated. It was regulated in much the same way for a long time. Right, but that, so that's. I mean, so this is why the conversation, why there needs to be a space where people who don't know can ask questions and learn. And then you can take agency for yourself about what you want or what you're interested in. Because I think sometimes you think you're not interested in something because you have really not enough information to make a decision about that. But hemp and marijuana have been around for thousands, thousands, tens of thousands of years. And really until about 1937, was not prohibited. It was an integral part of people's lives. People would make teas, you know. In every culture, you'll find people brewing marijuana leaves to deal with medicinal. And you'll find um, it used ceremonially in many cultures as well. This sort of mentality that many of us have about it being... um, a bad thing for us is something. The gateway drug kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's a marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's propaganda. I'll use the word propaganda, but it's just like it's like a mind fuck. I you think know? I think you're right about there being propaganda because as late as 1910, the U.S. I think the ten dollar bill had either a hemp leaf or a marijuana leaf on its design, so it had been part of American culture and and sold. Sort of as a as a an exotic uh, pharmaceutical, even you know, um, until sort of the pan- a, a panic about its effects um, started showing up in the early twentieth century. But it's interesting that it, on the U.S. dollar bill at some point, well, at least according to the Wikipedia article I read uh, last night, which was, um, uh, which I trust implicitly. <laughs> well, you prep for this. <laughs> well, um, the, no, but the, the the prohibition of cannabis and sort of what many of us were raised on is was a political. It was it was maneuvered politically, uh, and really. I won't go into the whole story about it, but the, 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 all I'm really saying, it's just like a lot of things that are happening now. 
there's what's real and what's realistic. And what's realistic is real life, you know, it's not real. And essentially that's what has happened with our understanding of cannabis. To your conversation about the difference between the hemp and the marijuana plant, uh, it's true that the hemp plant has, they're essentially, they're similar. People refer to them as cousins or brothers and sisters, but the hemp plant generally has less than 0.3 THC in it, and THC is one cannabinoid. CBD is another cannabinoid. There are hundreds of cannabinoids, but there are only so many that have been identified at this point in time in terms of what and how they affect our personal, our human body endocannabinoid system, which has receptors that bind to the cannabinoids. The CBD that comes from, say, a hemp plant is not the same CBD that comes from a cannabis plant because it doesn't have the full broad spectrum of the plant. So it's t it would likely be less efficient in terms of whatever issue it was addressing than, say, CBD from a hemp plant. So you'll see people advertising CBD from hemp seed. That's not going to do anything for you, really, you know? Hmm. So it, it's worth spending a little time to understand what it is so that when you make a decision about I'm going to buy this or I'm going to try CBD, you have some idea what it is. Because it may not be what you think. Often it isn't. I mean, most of the time, a lot of what's being sold now is maybe a little oil being dropped on to something. So um, it's worth knowing and learning about it. And for me, that's a continuous pro process because now people are talking about CBG. That's like a new cannabinoid that's been identified or CBD, which is a, a cannabinoid that people know. So I'm saying that these are in our lives and we have to pay attention to them. I know, do you hear my stomach growling? Sorry. I don't know, if the, did the microphone pick that up? I think so. We'll, we'll try to edit that out. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so this just illustrates for me, and I, and I went to one of Patricia's talks at Words a couple weeks ago, um, how little I know about because I grew up ingrained with um, it's the gateway drug and you are going to become a heroin addict um, from marijuana. We and, all and, did, really. I mean, and I'm, then um, actually we, we all became heroin addicts from the from the drugs our doctors were prescribing that weren't marijuana. <laughs> that made us all heroin right, addicts. Right. Um, so there's a there's a level of irony to that. But well, no, so heroin is made uh, originally marketed by Bayer, right? That's a fun fact. I don't know, yeah, Joe. Just want to thank. Just a little, for that, little something else from Wikipedia. <laughs> take, a, take a shot at Big Pharma as we're driving by. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think I I know so little about it because it was ingrained in in my head, um, and I think people older than me that it was it was bad it was bad it was bad, um, and New Jersey has only medicinal. New Jersey has medicinal, and because the legislature could not make 
a decision about recreational, it's now going to come before the voters in November. So it will be on the ballot. So it's important, you know, it's a, it's an important conversation that we continue to have because I think that, um, you know, the conversation, okay, I'm just going off the top of my head now, and this is all personal, but, you know, when it comes right down to uh, opioids and pills, nobody asks, you know, what's in this pill? You know, the doctor, you know, gives you a blood pressure pill. <laughs> I, I have high blood pressure, so I'm on medication. One day I go to Walmart to get my medication, and they tell me, oh, we don't, we can't sell anymore. It's off the market because... Um, they found out that the Chinese had some sort of cancer causing something in the generic high blood pressure medica medication. So now you have to have, you know, a substitute. I never asked, not once in my life, what's in this pill or how can I verify what's in this pill? And now you went the, the opposite conversation, the conversation against marijuana is that you don't know what's in it. Um, how do you know that um, this is not going to make, I'm not going to become addicted. Well, I'm addicted to my high blood pressure pills. I can't seem to get off of those. I'm saying all that to say that, yes, it's important that you ask and you educate yourself about it. But I think you have to ask yourself those questions about anything that you put in your body. I think there's such an emotional, in my experience, response and within my own family to the legalization of marijuana or just ma the marijuana topic in general, because if you have members of your family that are addicts, there's some sort of connection that, well, they may have started with marijuana and now they're full-blown addicts. So mm -hmm. it's hard to have a conversation with at least members of my family and say, you wouldn't think twice about taking this Percocet because your back hurts. Mm -hmm. But when I try to talk to you about taking cannabis, um, it closes down until your talk, Patricia, until your talk. And then um, the member of my family, I thought, um, absolutely is going through the process of getting a medical marijuana card. So, so happy for her. Yeah, yeah, so kudos to, to you. I mean, she's yeah. going very slow. But it doesn't matter. The, but the, she's going. Yeah. I mean, the point really is that we have to take responsibility for ourselves. I mean, certainly our medical care. Well, I think me saying, me at 43 saying to this person who's like 76, you should do this. Is She thinks I'm a hippie who's, you know, voting for Warren and the country's going to come to a halt. But when you say, when you are within her age demographic, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously you're younger than her, but somebody who looks a little bit more like her than me, who lived a little bit more of the same experiences as her, says you should give this a try. It seems like a totally different reaction. I, I think I think it is. I do. I really do think that it is. And I that's another reason that I think it's important that I show my face and that I talk about my own experiences. And while I'm a little reticent about, you know, being called an expert, I mean, I have an opinion. It's an informed opinion. I'm educating myself. I'm in conversation with people who are in the industry. And that's all I'm really recommending that everybody do. You know, the, the, the plant, plant medicine is personal. You know, really all medicine is personal, to be perfectly honest, because, you know, you might need 
two aspirins, whereas I only need a half. But we don't think about that because, you know, we just say take an aspirin, you know, like all aspirin right. is equal. But uh, I just think that going forward, we have to take responsibility, particularly if you're older and you want to, you know, live your life in as high a quality state of, of uh, being as you possibly can. You have to pay attention to these things. Amy, I want to circle back one thing to what you said, the common sense that marijuana is the gateway drug. You know, to address that argument, I think 100% of heroin addicts probably did not start with marijuana, but rather with alcohol. You know, alcohol is ubiquitous in society. I'm not judging it, but you know, for full disclosure, I don't, you know, haven't uh, had a drink in six years. Uh, alcohol. God, has it been six years? Yeah, I think we're starting year seven. Oh um, my god! And having bartended for years, um, I certainly saw firsthand the wreckage that alcohol leaves, and encouraged it. I was like, "Here, have another one." You know, <laughs> um, it um, leaves uh, you know, leaves in its wake in society. So, I think that you know, marijuana is usually not the first stop on the train uh, to addiction. It's probably. Um, you know, usually alcohol, and in many cases, marijuana is. You know, what, there's a new phrase in California, so they call it Cali sober. Cali sober. People who don't drink but but consume cannabis. Uh huh. And I don't know. I, I don't know. You, know, I'm sure um, friends of mine in uh, AA are out there saying no, 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 no. But I think that's an interesting. They they don't see it as the same thing. Whereas alcohol, they, alcohol, they feel is extraordinarily destructive, and maybe marijuana not. Well, I noticed a, a sign I was driving on the ten, headed toward Santa Monica a week ago, and it said, uh, "What did it say?" It said, "I think it said buzz is still high." You know, you have the flashing mm -hmm. signs on the highway when you're going down, slow down. This and this one said, "Buzz is still high." So it was interesting, like, you know, I mean, you can be impaired by lots of different things. So I'm going to jump to a couple of lighter questions. Yes. And I don't, I think we got to them at the first podcast, but if we didn't, um, hopefully, you know, they're coming. And the one that stumps everybody is what is your favorite movie? Oh, you kill me. Let's see. <laughs> With that, Every time. I should have thought about this. No, I had some warning. Yeah. We, oh, I know. I know. I have a favorite one now. Okay. Parasite. Oh. Everybody's saying Parasite's amazing. Parasite. Jeffrey said that too. Yes. I have not seen it yet. See it. Okay. It's yeah. at the showroom. Done. Oh, it's at the showroom now? It, well, it was at the showroom. Might be at the Broadway showroom now. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, that movie takes you on a different experience and you don't know where you're going. So I like things like that. I like, like jazz, you know, like to just be in the room and kind of experience the thing. And that movie is sort of like that. So right now that's my favorite. Oh. And your favorite music genre is jazz. Yeah. Okay. Me too. So I was trying to go in the city last night, mm -hmm. missed the train. Don't yeah. you play jazz drums? Am I saying that right? And I'm, let me do full disclosure. Music is not my area. Of no, I'm a, as I said uh, last time, I'm a dedicated but terrible jazz guitar player. Guitar player. And I can't underestimate how terrible, <laughs> you know, you know, the cats love me. But also, you know, 
I threaten to become a jazz DJ periodically. So if anyone wants me to play uh, their little gathering, you just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting tidbit. Our That's cool. Director, yeah. I'm going to say director of the sewer plant. I think I called, called him king of the sewer plant. He's plan, king, Rudy. Is a musician. He runs the entire sewer plant, which we're super grateful for. And also is a, maybe he was the jazz drum player. He is. Yeah. He, it's a, an accomplished uh, jazz drummer. Plays at the, in trios at the at Moonstruck here. It's quite good. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, next time he has one, I'll call you because yeah. I, I should go too. Yeah, I haven't been to Moonstruck in a good I while. And it's one of the first places there. that I ever sat before I bought was the place. Only place that was open yeah <laughs> oh okay that's why. that's why okay so that's the reason so i was sitting there thinking oh i could maybe move here yeah favorite tv show patricia do i have a tv show do you have a favorite TV my show? favorite tv show hmm. no okay favorite book song of solomon yeah i think we i remember this from our yes. last conversation yeah. i love that book yeah milkman yeah. favorite broadway play <laughs> Favorite Broadway play? Hmm, that's hard. Um, because nothing comes to mind. But I've been watching Broadway theater really for almost, certainly 30 years. And I'm just thinking, you know, what pops out? Because you're off Broadway, you got Broadway. Hmm. Okay. Color purple. Okay. I can see that. I can remember it, you know. Oh, I loved this. Another one I saw that I really loved was, uh, I loved the story of Fela. I don't know if you saw the but Fela, I Nigerian didn't. musician. Okay. It was on Bride. It was a huge show. It was great. Yeah. If you uh, hire me as your uh, jazz DJ, I will bring a Fela record and <laughs> to your uh baptism and or other family event you got to be ready though all right you got to be ready you got to be ready for failure i'll leave it for the end so i've seen exactly two broadway plays i think in, in like fifth grade we had a class trip to see barnum which i don't remember very well you know and um and with jim dale right and then i, I think I, as an adult the only play i've ever seen was two trains running which was great. That was good. That oh, was good. that's a, you know what? That's good. That because good all one. of the August Wilson plays, I've seen all the August Wilson plays and they were all really good too. In fact, I was thinking about going to see a soldier's play because it was one of the first plays I ever saw on Broadway. The Nigger Ensemble uh, performed that like back in the early 80s and it's running now with um, Blair Underwood and a couple other people about a soldier that gets killed on a base or something. It and I'll, it it's it was a great movie. Yeah, so I, I would go see that. Um, I've actually seen a ton of plays because as a teenager, I didn't. I hung out with my mom a lot, and we would. She'd let me stay home from school on Wednesdays, and we would go stand on the line to get the free tickets. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, so we would we would go get free tickets on Wednesdays, go see a play, and have dinner in the city. Um, and I brought that up because I'm going to see Jagged Little Pill. So Alanis Morissette, who I you know oh. adored in in the 1990s, mm-hmm. is that a play or it's a play? Yeah, they made her at night her album Jagged Little Pill into a play, and from what I hear, a number of lesbians from the 90s have seen it because we all loved Alanis Morissette. Um, have said it's amazing. And where is it playing? 
I don't remember the name of the theater. Is it around here? No, no, it's, it's New York. A, I'm going to New York. Oh, your act, that, that yeah, was my point. I'm going to New York. And yeah. a friend of mine, my neighbor, who, thank you very much, Russell, is letting me stay at his place. So we go in Friday night to see it, and then he's letting us stay oh, at his good. place in, in New York Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, good. Yeah. Then you can enjoy yourself. I t- right. I can, we can go to dinner. We yeah. can see a play. We can walk Hang around out. a couple drinks. Exactly. Um, yeah. So very excited about that. But no, I saw a bunch of plays. And if I had to, I'm sure nobody's heard of it, but there was a play called Rumors. That was on Broadway. Do oh what unpaid intern Ed heard of it? I would say that was that's a reformed actor. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. You know, I did know that. Um, anyway, that would that was my favorite play that I remember. But we used to see plays probably once a month um, when other kids were hanging out with their friends. I was hanging out with my mom. It's very sophisticated. Yeah, tis what it tis. Well, that's probably why you're a politician today. Perhaps. <laughs> um. Okay, I'm not sure. You know what? We're doing two tapes today, Joe. Are we? Yep. So I'm getting the. It's nine fifty-five. So um, I wanna... Can I ask one last cannabis question, and then you can ask whatever your okay, last great. question is? So I was going to ask you, what do you think is the thing that holds seniors back the most from trying cannabis? Um, fear of losing control. Fear of possibly uh, of not knowing what the what it may lead to fear that maybe you might enjoy it you know uh, fear that others might know most of it is all stigma related i think it's like a terror i think you're right it's a fear of like you know you well know, i think you what, use propaganda i think that's a really good word a, to use yeah. on it people are like two puffs and they're afraid of like i'm gonna be on tour with the dead for six months you know <laughs> which uh full full confession that actually happened to me so <laughs> In my 20s. So. <laughs> Buckeye Lake, Ohio. Shout out. <laughs> um, and is there anything you want people to know who are listening to this podcast before we end it? Yeah. One of the outcomes of the conversation at uh, Asbury's only independent book store which we are also taping in right, right words uh, asbury park is that um people here wanted to set up a cannabis investment club so that's on the horizon and if you're interested you can go to cannaboomer.net to um indicate you'd like to have the newsletter at the very least you know to be i just got your newsletter this week it was great good yeah also why don't you before we end just give your website your your instagram handle uh, my Instagram handle is canna boomers, you know, canna underscore boomers. Uh, if you put it in, you'll find me. That's probably the easiest way because you'll remember that canna boomers. Uh, but you can also find the website at cannaboomer.net. And then that way you can hook up and get onto the um, newsletter. You're, you're also a travel guru as well, right? I am. Actually, um, I organize retreats. And um, curated travel experience, small curated travel experiences uh, to different places. I'm actually going to prepare for one in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be looking at uh, Portugal as a possible option for the future. But right now, I organize um, small groups between eight and 12 people to um, Morocco to Martha's Vineyard. And hopefully we'll be able to organize something for people to come to to Asbury Park. Oh, nice. Summer, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Also, I want to um, point out to people, you're a writer for the website Estro Hayes. 
Yes, Esther the, Hayes. Big shout out to my girls at Esther Hayes. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a, uh, and you're right under the name Canna Boomer. Yes. And there's a lot of great articles there, particularly about, you know, women of color entering the the cannabis marketplace, you know, and you have a really interesting article about uh, being a boomer of color in the cannabis community who are, quote, hiding out. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that, you know, there's a lot, you know, if you're interested in this subject, certainly uh, seek out Patricia's um you know, articles on, on Astro Hayes, these are very interesting times for legalization of cannabis and, or the normalization, right? The normalization. Right, normalization. That's probably better, yeah. the normalization. And it's important because, you know, we're living in these times and we are actually the people who will make the decisions about how things shape up, mm-hmm. you know. So that's another reason why we have to come out of the shadows. We can't hide yeah. Right, we don't want John Boehner to be the face of legal marijuana. No, like, well, here's the deal. Okay, we're ending, but I have to say this. <laughs> I have to say this. John Boehner has the nerve to fight against, you know, cannabis, hemp, etc. He leaves Congress and is on the board of one of the five major players in the space now. Small People like myself, like we didn't even get into social justice or, um, you know, the inequities that are being leveled onto people, not necessarily like myself, but people of color who are primarily, you know, affected by the negativeness of of um, the laws that exist now, and now trying to move into the space, you know, as entrepreneurs. You know, it's really a problem. It's a problem. It is a problem. And, and the last thing before we go is, like, you know, we mentioned the the failure to legalize, the movement to legalize in New Jersey failed in the legislature, partially from surprising opposition from uh, legislators from African-American districts or psych- who said, well, we're not just going to participate in a white Wall Street land grab without addressing the inequity of the existing system. True. So we're not just going to say, yes, legalize it and leave things the way they are. So I thought that was an interesting rationale. It's like, you know, there's a wider issue. It's not just, as you said, there's social justice involved here. It's not just going to let John Boehner sell whatever he wants. It's like, you have to address a larger historical problem before, you know, we just move into this as a, uh, a, a, a capitalization, you know, as a capitalist endeavor. So it's an interesting dynamics are working out. And that's why it's really important that um, you, Amy, as a politician in this town, um, continue to have these conversations with different people um, because I'm sure even in what has happened thus far if you were to analyze it you'll see who the players are who are showing up interested in Asbury Park as a potential you know spot oh, to absolutely. do business oh my you know God. when we were one of the first towns that kind of said we, we, we would we, we were okay with a, um, a marijuana dispensary really quite frankly Definitely, I'm medicinal and really open to a conversation about recreational when that was kind of going on in the legislature, I'm going to say, and I kid you not, 40 to 50 calls a day of people. Um, but I'm going to give millennials a mild compliment on the John Boehner thing, which I think he comes from an age group where when you're a politician, it isn't necessarily who you are. And with the millennials, I find even the recent influx of the 2018 women, particularly women of color who who got uh, into Congress. And there's one from Illinois who I just think the world of. She's the youngest, I believe, 
woman of color elected to Congress. Um, she's not part of the big noise of like AOC. She's kind of quietly doing really amazing things. I think this younger group of politicians getting in, it, it isn't, um, it, it is who their policies reflect who they are. So they don't take stands that they don't personally agree with, at least so far in my experience. And I think it's a different wave of politicians than previously existed, which I think is great. But wait, I don't understand why that has to do with Boehner. Well, I think he took a position that wasn't, I think the politicians of, of that demographic. Yeah, because he's that, a boomer. He's a boomer yeah. that, that their policies aren't who they are. I, I see with millennials, they don't. So the interesting, some of the interesting articles about millennials are that they don't believe in God. They don't care about having kids. They don't need to own a home. Um, they care about experiences. They care about social justice. And I think he comes from a time where a politician was, your policies didn't reflect who you are. So for me, I support policies that I personally also feel very passionate about. So uh, legalization of marijuana, the decriminalization of marijuana. And I think that age range of politicians is a different group of politicians than, uh, than are coming up right now. Oh, that's for sure. But I think that Boehner is just a capitalist, mm -hmm. you know, and he's a white man who has, you know, access to um, people who make decisions. You know, he's a lobbyist now, like he was completely coming from a different space before he moved over to right. where he is now. And he has the opportunity to, um, he has the privilege to be involved in this change in a different way. So I'm just saying, you know, shout out to Boehner for being like a master of the universe maybe, but mm -hmm. I don't know what else. I think when you're seeing people like AOC or you're seeing this younger group come in, I'm going to I'm going to be really disappointed if they make those same decisions because if Boehner had no real problem with it but was part of the Demo the Republican machine that did. Oh, I I well, get yeah, you now. Yeah, I think you, I you hear know, what you're saying. Yeah, every now. Republican I know smoked marijuana. I mean, being that number of Republicans I know is getting smaller. Right. But, it's inauthentic. I guess what I'm saying to you is Boehner is inauthentic to me and the wave that I'm seeing now, I, and I, I could hear, be okay. totally wrong. Okay, I hear what you're is saying. It's an authentic group. No, I would, I, okay, now I would agree with that okay. statement. I think that the people that we're looking at now, right? yeah, the people that we're looking at now, you know, everybody's looking at somebody, looking for someone they can believe in. Right. So. Well, Lord knows I am. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we are late, and I think Yvonne might already be here. Thank you, everybody, for coming, and, or thank you, everyone, for listening. No, you, you turned away completely. Oh, I sense. turned away because yeah, I yeah. went to see if Yvonne is here. <laughs> Yvonne okay. is here. Thanks, Patricia. Uh, sure. Patricia, thanks so much for being here, and um, we'll see everybody uh, next week. Asray Pod gratefully acknowledges the support of words. Asray Park's only independent bookstore, offering new and gently used books for all readers. Words also hosts a range of literary and social events for adults and children. Located on 623 Cookman Avenue, Words is open every day save Tuesday from noon to 5. Stop by and say hello.